Today, we are starting a new series, which I'm so excited about. It's called Post Traumatic Growth. When I was a kid, I used to mow my great-grandparents' lawn, and they were really old. Like, I think my grandfather passed away at 98 and my grandmother at 95-ish. And so, you know, I'm like late teens, so they were probably in their late 80s at that point. And I would go over there, my mom would drop me, and I'd head inside to say hi before I started mowing the lawn. I'd raid the fridge, which usually didn't work too well because it was just like prunes and expired salad dressings in there. But I'd get in there, and um, I remember one uh, one week I I ran in and I I just said, hey guys, here to mow the lawn. And I didn't hear anything. And I was like, "Uh uh-oh, they're old, you know. (laughs) uh, Grandma, Grandpa, how are you guys? And didn't hear anything. And so I kind of started to make my way down the hallway and still kind of calling out and didn't hear anything. And... I'm getting a little nervous, and so I eventually get close to my grandmother's room, and as I open the door, I see her laying there, I just see her head, and so I'm like, is she breathing, is she not breathing, like, are we doing okay here, and I notice she is breathing, and I take another step in relief, and then realize that she's napping without any clothes on, so uh, yes, there was that, so everybody say trauma, all right, good job, all right, I'm still praying through that one, man. We've all experienced some different things in life, haven't we? We've all kind of been through some trauma. And you know what I don't think we realize? Probably is how much trauma we've experienced in these last 16 months. We've been through so much. There's just so much not normal about these last 16 months of our lives. Uh, It's crazy to be cut off from everyone. We were just cut off, right? Uh, Everyone's wearing masks. Everyone's, um, you know, kind of secluded. Uh, I I was at Chick-fil-A a a few weeks ago with my family. They finally opened the indoor dining. And one of the managers over there, his name is Sean, who comes to our church. He came over and he looked me right in the eye. He said, Doug, a few months ago, kind of in the heart of the pandemic, you made the statement that when you could eat in Chick-fil-A dining room again, it would be like going to Hawaii. And I said, here I am, bro. I said, it only cost me 38 bucks to go to Hawaii, apparently, right? But it's just so abnormal, all that we've been through. There's so much we've gone through. Kids doing school online and, again, separated from one another. Um, Loved ones in the hospital we can't visit. Many of us losing loved ones. And there's a phrase that is used to classify us going through traumatic situations, right? It's called post-traumatic stress disorder, PTSD. And PTSD is defined like this. It's a condition that is triggered by a traumatic event, either seeing it, or experiencing it. It's a very real and a very serious issue. I don't have an official diagnosis, but people have told me, even doctors have told me, it's very likely that from what I went through from December to February, I have probably some forms of PTSD. And there are moments where stuff will just hit me. In fact, on the way here this morning, my son Cade and I are driving here early. I got to drop him for band practice here this morning. And and a song comes on the radio, and instantly it took me back to the hospital. It's one of those songs I had listened to as I was kind of fighting for my life, and I just had to change it. I just had to change it because I was just not okay, because instantly I was flooded with really painful memories. I still can't watch anybody on TV that has like an oxygen mask or a cannula or anything. It just kind of takes me right back there. Um, this next fact is going to horrify many of you. This is the worst thing about it all, and I can't believe I'm admitting this publicly, I don't like Dr. Pepper anymore, everybody. (laughs) I know, I know, I know, I know. (laughs) I don't like it anymore. Uh, The taste is just different to me. And also probably some of it is taking me back to there because I would, of course, in my recovery, it was very important. My recovery made me drinking a lot of Dr. Pepper. And so I think some of it is just going back there. So I know some of you guys are like, I think I might have to leave the church over this. Like, I don't even think he's real. Like, I might be a clone. I I might be a cyborg or something. But man, we've all been through trauma to one degree or another in these last 16 months. Now, here is the thing. For many of us, this whole trauma thing isn't just about the last 16 months. It was two years or 20 years ago. What do we do with this stuff, right? We hear a lot about post-traumatic stress disorder. Again, very real and very serious. But what we don't hear a lot about is this other phrase, PTG, post-traumatic growth. And I first heard about this phrase when this incredible couple was interviewed by a, a pastor down in Georgia. Their names are Catherine and Jay Wolf. And Catherine and Jay met, got married, had a kid, and six months after their first child was born, Catherine suffered a traumatic stroke. 
She survived, honestly, miraculously, went through so much, 16-hour brain surgery, 40 days in the ICU, a year of neurologic rehab, 11 operations, and continuing to recover to this day. This has been going on back since 2008. And I love this couple because here is their mission. This is what they say on their website. They've been disrupting the myth that joy can only be found in a pain-free life. Read this with me on the screens, okay? This is what they say. If you have a pulse, you have problems, and you have pain, but you also have a purpose that is simultaneously good and hard. And when we choose to embrace the lives we're living this very day and release the lives we wished for, we can know in our deepest places that this good story is being written by a God who can't write any other kind of story. Living the good, hard life means we no longer need to numb ourselves to the difficult and the dark. We can awaken to the broken down, miraculous nature of our second chance lives and begin this very day to live them well to the very end. Listen to this last line. Suffering is not the end of your story. It's the beginning of a new one. And they talked about PTG, post-traumatic growth. And this is not something that they made up. This term is not something they came up with. This is actually a term that for decades has been used in psychology. And again, here is the definition if you're looking at secular psychology. It's the positive psychological change experienced as a result of adversity and other challenges in order to rise to a higher level of functioning. Now listen, if somebody who doesn't have God in their life can find growth as a result of trauma, then how much more can we as followers of Jesus, amen? How much more can we who have God in our lives discover good and growth on the other side of our pain? The idea that you can grow as a result of trauma is nothing new, right? In fact, the scriptures tell us thousands of years ago, Paul tells us thousands of years ago, that suffering and pain can produce good and beautiful things in the hands of God, right? And I kind of love this because it's like psychology and the Bible kind of lining up here, right? The Bible is just a few thousand years ahead on it, but this is what psychologists are telling us now. But what I love about this is the Bible takes it a step further, doesn't it? The Bible doesn't just tell us we can grow after trauma, The Bible tells us, listen, that we can grow as a result of it. That we can even look at the very things we've walked through and see, wow, God is after some growth here. And I think Catherine and Jay's story tells us a couple things. Number one, you can be thankful right in the midst of deep pain. The second thing is you can grow instead of being destroyed by your trauma. You can grow instead of being destroyed by your trauma. And in this series, we're going to see these concepts in Scripture, but even more than that, and along with that, we're going to see it in some of the lives of the people who come to this church and a couple in our last week who actually are going to be guests from outside our church. But we're going to see that God can bring great growth in the midst and after and as a result of our deep pain and trauma. I think this is so important because here's the thing. Right? We've all been traumatized to one degree or another, especially in these last 16 months. But none of us wants to kind of stay stuck in that, right? Like we all want freedom from that, and that's God's heart. God's heart is that you find freedom from the, the trauma and the, and the severe pain that you and I have walked through. If you're not a follower of Jesus, you're, you're watching online, you're here in the room, this is the amazing God that we follow and love and serve. A God who can take our deep pain and produce great, great good. We're going to see how that's possible here today. So we're going to look, just as I intro this idea for a few minutes before I introduce our guest for today, we're going to look at Lamentations. It's the most lighthearted book in the scriptures. Um, There's some great knock-knock jokes, a few Yo Mama jokes in there that are really funny. No, it's actually heartbreaking. This book's depressing. Why? Because the author, Jeremiah, has been traumatized. The whole nation has been traumatized. They were a mess because of their sin, and they were far from God. Now listen, very clearly here, I am not saying that the trauma that you and I experience is a result or, or a direct result of our sin. It's not necessarily God punishing us because of something that we did wrong. For example, I don't think God was punishing me when I went through almost dying several months ago and being in the hospital for 63 days. That was not punishment. But listen, there was so much to be thankful for in the midst of it, and there was so much to grow in as I walked through that and continue to. 
And so today we're going to discover what is going on in Lamentations. Jeremiah says in verse uh, 21 of chapter 1, people have heard my groaning, but there's no one to comfort me. Have you ever felt like that? Chapter 2, verse 11, my eyes fail from weeping. He's going, I can't even see. I've been crying so much, right? I'm in torment within. My heart is poured out on the ground because my people are destroyed, because children and infants faint in the streets of the city. Let's go to chapter 3, verse 8. Even when I call out or cry for help, he shuts out my prayer. Ever felt like that? Every time I pray, God doesn't even answer. He has barred my way with blocks of stone. He's made my paths crooked. Drop down to verse 18. So I say, my splendor is gone and all that I hoped from the Lord. Sometimes this feels like you and me, right? Sometimes we could be saying these verses. Verse 19 and 20. I remember my affliction, my wandering, the bitterness and the gall. I well remember them. My soul is downcast within me. I can tell you, I've been so sad so much over the last 16 months. There's just been so much that's happened in our world that's just so incredibly painful. There's been many times I've battled sadness. 21, verse 21. Yet this I call to mind, and therefore I have hope. The writer here, Jeremiah, is saying, listen, I've been through the worst you can imagine, and some of you can say the same, but he says, I can call something to mind. I can think about something. I can meditate on something, and I find hope. And this is what he says in verse 22. Because of the Lord's great what? We are not consumed. For his what? Never fail. They are new every morning. Great is your what? He says, okay, I have been through it. Our nation has been through it. But I can do something. I can call to mind. I can remember the Lord's great love and his compassions and his faithfulness. And I find hope. And really what he's saying here is my circumstances and my trauma will not consume me. My circumstances and my trauma will not consume me consume me. Everybody say, my circumstances and my trauma will not consume me. Let's jump down to verse 31. For no one is cast off by the Lord forever. Though he brings grief, and we're going to talk about that in a minute, he will show compassion. So great is his unfailing love, for he does not willingly bring affliction or grief to anyone. Now, hold on. In the first part, it says that he does bring grief. In the second part, it says he doesn't bring grief, at least in his willingness, right? Willingly, he doesn't bring it. So what does that mean? How does that work? There's a tension in these couple verses, right? It's almost like there's a wrestling match going on in these verses. He does bring grief or he doesn't bring it willingly. He brings it willingly. He doesn't bring it willingly. Jeremiah is saying that he made my paths crooked and he threw these roadblocks in my way. But this is now saying he doesn't do it willingly. So what does that mean? Well, it means that God is never allowing trauma or pain or suffering in our lives for the sake of just a laugh for the sake of his enjoyment, for the sake of just sitting back and watching it all unfold, okay? You know, see, God is always after something. What's he after? Growth. Our, our growth and our good, our eventual growth and our eventual good. Listen, this is the God who does not take delight in suffering. In fact, he's the one who joined it, right? He's the one who joined our suffering. He is the one that said, okay, I will become like one of them and I will walk as one of them, and I will suffer so much that he was given the nickname eventually, the man of suffering. Jesus suffered. If you're not a follower of Jesus, he died in our place. Joe talked about that earlier as he explained baptism, right? That Jesus died in our place, was buried in the ground, and then raised back from the dead, and he suffered in that way to rescue you and I back. But listen, to also look us in the eyes when we experience trauma and say, I've been traumatized too. And unlike you and I, he chose that trauma, didn't he? He chose that suffering so that he could redeem us back. The suffering God permits in our lives is always to bring about good. Without exception. Every pain, every loss, every trauma, always to bring about good. When I was in college, I played soccer, and I was a goalkeeper, and we had a special coach for the goalkeepers, and this guy was no joke. 
This guy was super intense. He had us running more than the rest of the team, push-ups, sit-ups. He had us, I, I went to school on the side of basically a, a really big hill slash little small mountain and, and up and down these, this huge staircase. Um, he had us, he put hay bales, stack hay bales next to us and he'd throw soccer balls over there. We'd dive over the soccer ball, catch the, uh, we didn't dive over the soccer ball, that'd be really stupid. We dove over the hay bale, caught the soccer ball. Uh, we were running up the large hills with the biggest guys on the soccer teams on our back. This guy was unbelievable. Do you know what he was after? He, he wasn't delighting in our suffering. He was after something. He was after our growth. And you know what? As we did the things he told us to do, we got stronger. Our muscles were traumatized and we grew. God is after the very same things in the midst of our difficulties. Today we're going to hear from a really special couple from our church. These guys have been coming to our church a long time and they have been a huge blessing to us. Uh, these guys have poured themselves out in so many different ways. They have been community group leaders, they have been disciplers, they have been production team leaders, they've been greeting team members, they have uh, poured out their hearts into the youth as youth leaders, and uh, we're just so incredibly blessed to have them. And they're going to come share a little bit of their story today and some of the trauma that they walked through in a very difficult season. And I think you guys are going to be really blessed to see the growth that God has brought and is continuing to bring. So would you guys welcome Chris and Ange Ruggiero to the stage. All right. Awesome. These guys are just such a blessing, and I know God's put on their heart to, to share what they've been through. So first, who are you? How long have you been coming? Tell us about family and kids and all that wonderful stuff. Well, hey, everyone. I'm Angela. Um, we've been married for just about seven years. We've been coming to Living Word since 2010, which is crazy. Feeling old. Um, hey, yeah, yeah us too. <laughs> <laughs> um, and we have one son. His name is Christopher. You've probably seen him running around here like crazy. Um, he's three. And, yeah. Awesome. Okay. Yeah. Beautiful. Uh, I'm, my name is Chris. Um, again, I've been coming here for a long time. <laughs> it feels like I remember the old building and all the Christmas parties with like five or six people wrapped around in a circle. Yeah. You know, growing to this is just so amazing. It is amazing. Um, wow. Yeah. And then just being part of this awesome community, being uh, part of the production team, like Doug was saying, like just helping out here. Um, just really, really cool to be part of something. Awesome. Thank you guys so much. All right, so what traumatic situation have you guys been through? Well, the funny thing is when we were prepping for this and Doug was asking us to, to talk about it and was like, oh, what traumatizing situation have you been through? I was like, I haven't. Um, I think that people think that trauma is inherently bad, right? Like, you know, when we walk through something or hear the word trauma, we automatically associate it with something evil or bad or negative. And... Um, when I was reflecting on it, I was like, okay, what I went through as far as what society views was good. So um, I experienced pretty bad um, postpartum depression and anxiety. But having a baby is usually a very exciting time and a time where culture looks at it as something that should be praised or whatever. And of course, the Bible tells us that children are a blessing. So it was hard to view that as trauma because it's something that most people view as good. Um, but as I was reflecting and prepping for today, I realized that around Jan this past January was the first time I think I ever really named what I was going through as something that was traumatic. Um, the experience of the post, uh, the depression and stuff was traumatic, but giving birth wasn't, you know, it was an exciting thing. Um, but it wasn't until I realized that my body was reacting as though it had experienced trauma was when I could finally get the help that I like really need. And that's when I really was able to hand the situation over to God completely to kind of restore me in a way that like expedited the process. Mm. Awesome. Yeah. Right. Chris, how are you feeling as, you know, this was kind of beginning to play out and you're beginning to see what was, how Andrew's being affected. Yeah. So for me, uh, watching what Andrew went through in the moment, uh, I didn't notice it at first, and then eventually I kind of saw like changes and stuff like that. Um, but for myself, we had spoke about post-traumatic uh, or postpartum. Um, I know, so close. <laughs> There's actually something called postpartum. Just keep going, because I messed okay. that up. Yeah. <laughs> I'm just 
I have some. I'll have it for you next week, everybody. All right. And we'll have some air conditioning in here too by then, by the yeah, way. I did, we'll I did email the guy. It's a little hot in here, I know. But. Um, we had spoke about it beforehand. So like going into it, I knew the name of it, but I didn't know what it was, uh, how to look for it, or anything like that. So for me, I was like, all right, she might go through this, but I didn't ask the right questions. I wasn't asking the right people. I wasn't you know, really deep diving into what it was. So, you know, I kind of figured, oh, it might be just a, uh, a temporary depression or something like that where we would just kind of come and go. Um, but like looking back at it now, uh, it, it was small changes. Uh, just kind of her attitude about uh, her, which she never was like that. She never questioned herself. She always was very confident. She just seemed uh, different. It was very, very subtle. Um, looking back at it now, it was very, very obvious. Um, but going through it, you know, you have a baby and, you know, you're trying to figure out life again. Um, you know, you kind of overlook little things. Um, but as time went on, I definitely noticed that uh, it wasn't getting better. It wasn't changing. It wasn't, uh, she wasn't becoming who she was before uh, our son came. And it was just, it's one of those things where you just really have to pay really, really close attention and just do your best to uh, be there for them. Awesome. I so appreciate your willingness to talk about this and also appreciate your willingness to talk about this because, you know, we're hearing, there are people in the room that can relate to depression and there are people in the room that can't but love people who are walking through it. And so I so appreciate both of you being willing to share so that people can relate to what you've been through and also how to help and pray and support and all that. Um, as much as you're comfortable sharing, um, what was it like at its darkest for you? It was hard. So I think the hardest part was not knowing how long it would last. My hope is just from, you know, I'm somebody who's very like research-based. I work in healthcare. So a lot of people say nine months in, nine months out. So I was really counting down the days to that nine-month mark of after having my son and nothing happened, nothing mm -hmm. got better. And in fact, from then on, it actually started to feel worse. Wow. So that was super challenging. And then a lot of people say, okay, at that year mark is when things really start to change. And we hit the year mark and nothing changed and I was just feeling worse. And it was really hard to not know when there'd be like a positive. Mm -hmm. um, it's interesting, because I think a lot of people think depression is just sadness. And although there was moments of that, I can't relate to those deep feelings of sadness. I think there was like a sense of grief from missing out on a really extended period of time of my son growing. You know, mm -hmm. those everyone tells you to enjoy those moments, and you know, I almost wanted to like punch everybody who told me that because I was like, I can't because I don't. Sorry if I ever said that. <laughs> no, it's, <okay. laughs> it's like you know, as a mom or as a parent, that those moments are fleeting because you'll mm -hmm. put your child down for a nap and they wake up two hours later and they literally grow and you're, how did this happen, <laughs> right? So there was like this deep sense of grief, but the way I kind of explain like the feelings I had was I felt like a shell of who I was. Guy really struggled to feel emotions. I struggled to feel connected to who I was before going through this experience. Um, you know, I always knew God was with me, and this may sound dramatic, but I felt like God was like a vapor in front of me that I couldn't really reach. Mm. And for me, that was super hard because before that, I felt like I was walking close with God. So I know he was with me, but it, it was just really challenging. And, you know, a lot of resentment came with that. Uh, you know, is awesome because so many of us had children around the same time here for the first time. And that support was amazing, but it was also really hard for me to look at some of those people who were really enjoying that time and to feel like a sense of resentment towards that. And even towards Chris because he didn't experience what I was experiencing and as a couple you're like well we should be one you should be feeling like this with me um, thank god he wasn't <laughs> but it was just hard so it was hard like not knowing it was hard um, I really had to advocate for myself um, you know I was told I knew just from my own background that I was experiencing postpartum depression sorry if I'm rambling at this point no. but when I tried to talk to my doctor my midwife about it they told me that I must have always had a psychiatric disorder and that I must have always struggled with mental health issues. And I was devastated after that appointment because here I was, it was hard for me to reach out for help, especially from a professional because I am a professional in that field. So for me, I was like, I can't believe that this is what life has come to. Um, so yeah, this has been very humbling. But it was really hard because I asked for help 
and then I was told something completely different and I didn't know where to go from there. So I really had to like reach out to um, other doctors I know and check in with close friends and family to be like, have you ever noticed something different about me or is this like a here and now issue? Um, it was definitely a here and now issue. But yeah, so I don't know, mm. it was tough. But not feeling like myself and not knowing when things would turn around and it lasted much longer than I would have liked it to um, was hard. Absolutely. I appreciate you sharing all that. Yeah. That's really powerful. And I think one of the things I hope we're getting today is that it's okay to ask for help, right? It's okay to reach out to somebody and just say, I'm really in a, a hard place and I need somebody to speak into this. So thank you for having the boldness to share that. Chris, how about you? And it was that it's kind of darkest for, for you guys. So for me, it was definitely a lot different. Um, while Andrew was kind of going through this, I was kind of just, you know, uh, like trying to make it by every single day, you know, having a newborn that's waking up every four hours and then needing to be fed and diapers, you know. So for me, at first, the first probably like almost month, you know, I was kind of like on, you know, autopilot, just trying to make sure that she was okay, make sure the baby's okay, make sure the dogs are okay, the house, you know, it was, it was a lot. And I feel like uh, after that point uh, of just trying to make sure that everything was kind of okay, was when I started to notice the difference. So for me, it was a lot different of an experience than it was for Anne. So for me, it wasn't a very dark time, but it was a very interesting time. And just knowing that, uh, that I had to step up, like that was the big thing. It was like, make sure you step up, make sure that she's good, make sure like, I don't know what she's going through. Like this could be that postpartum thing. I, I, like I didn't mm -hmm. know what was happening. Um, so I just, you know, did my best to, to comfort her, to make sure that she had everything that she needed, that she had time for herself, that she had uh, just literally whatever I could do. And uh, so for me, it was, it was definitely a time to just, you know, step up as a husband and a man and uh, do what I have to do to make sure that everybody's good. Mm, awesome. So make sure if you're walking through something like this, depression or something like that, that you have a stepper-upper in your life, right? Um, it might be a spouse. It might be a friend. It might be somebody here from church. It might be just somebody. Make sure you have a person that can be speaking hope into you and strength, all right? I was gonna say, we definitely had a, an awesome support system, whether it be people from the church or family and stuff like that. Um, you know, we didn't do it on our own mm. um, by any, any means. Um, you know, we, between people, you know, coming over and, you know, sleeping over our house to, to make sure that the baby was taken care of and was fed. Um, you know, we had people just come by the house and drop off food. We had, like, the support system was just amazing. Awesome. Um, and then, obviously, just having God in our lives made it just, uh, I can't even explain how much easier. Mm. Um, I, I shouldn't even say easier. Easier is definitely the wrong word. Um, manageable. Okay. Um, just yeah. knowing that we have a God who has our best interest. Mm. You know, that he wants the best for us, that he's going to get us through things. Um, you know, that, that was you know, probably number one, you know, I, I think even with Angie's background and just me being a, a strong-willed person and being very uh, intentional about doing things, I think that without him, that, that none of that matters, mm. you know, because wow. be, I probably would put the effort into the wrong places, you know, like making sure that, you know, I was okay, being very selfish because, you know, us as humans are very, very selfish, and me specifically, I'm, very, I'm a very selfish person, um, so having God at, at the at the center of it made such a big difference. That's awesome. So what specific difference did you see God make in your circumstances? The whole thing. <laughs> <laughs> All right, let's close the prayer. <laughs> um, there's two things I kind of want to touch on here. The first one is, this is going to sound really corny. Okay. Um, I remember when I first realized what was happening sitting in one of these chairs because we had already been here, you know, after Christopher was born. And God just saying, like, you're going to walk through this, but you're going to get to share it. So wow. it's, like, really cool for me to be mm. sitting here right now because that was made very clear to me. And, you know, we sing all these songs in worship, like, you know, use me, God, or I'm your servant, or whatever it is. And are, are we really willing to, like, accept that and to walk through that with an indefinite amount of time or not knowing what's going to be on the other end of it? But for me, I think that that's honestly what kept me going. Mm. And I, I'm somebody who really believes that when we walk through traumatic situations or heart situations, that as long as we allow God to use it for the glory of, that he gets yeah. and that um, other people are blessed by it, it's all worth it. Yeah. So for me, that really carried it through. And then another thing I want to share, this is, it's not silly because it really walked me from the day one to the day, the end day, was when I first 
got pregnant, I was feeling a lot of anxiety. And I remember texting Kelly. And I was like, I don't know why. I just feel like so anxious. And I'm not usually an anxious person. Like, I don't know what to do. So she talked with me and she just, she texted me. I was at work one day and she texted me Psalm 139. And not only did she text me to read it, but I'm pretty sure she typed out the whole thing for me. <laughs> um, and it's not a long, but it's not short, the whole thing. Um, and I remember sitting at my desk at work and reading it and just being like, okay. And just praying through it over and over and over again. And a lot of times when I was struggling, I'd go back to that scripture and I'd read it and I'd hold it in my heart, and then, you know, I was telling Kelly the story the other day, like, the last deeper she had, she used Psalm 139 as her yeah, scripture passage, that yeah, she yeah. was preaching on, and it was just funny because I just sat there and sobbed through the whole thing because mm -hmm. I was like, I finally feel healed, and it's so crazy that it was like the bookmarks on either end, so I think that when we're intentional about allowing God to make a difference, that we're going to see him work in ways that are completely undeniable. And Kelly said this, and it kind of stinks for you, but like she would have preached that message probably months before that had you not been in the hospital. Yeah. So it's amazing how God uses multiple traumatic situations sometimes to bring, um, to bring healing and to just ultimately bring him glory mm -hmm. in the end. Wow, that's amazing. That's incredible. So specifically as we talk about post-traumatic growth, how would you guys say that God used this situation to help you grow as individuals, as a couple? Wow, <laughs> a lot. Um, I have a lot of things written down about this, but the most, the, the one word I thought of was, was extremely humbling, right? Mm -hmm. Like, I work in healthcare. I work with psych patients. Like, that's what I do for a living. So to be struggling in that area for me was so hard and it's not because I think I'm better or I should know better but it was just hard to not be able to take the tools I knew mm -hmm. and have them work and I think that's how for me I can relate to people who struggle with depression and anxiety now and on a totally different yeah. level right? right because sometimes we really can't control it um, another thing I learned is that you know we did some research this past year in the Bible about what God says about anxiety and I know you mentioned this before but sometimes anxiety is a sin struggle. But sometimes our body experiences anxiety when it's not necessarily related to untrust in God. Right. So for us, like, I don't know about for you, but for me, I was constantly having to check myself, like, am I struggling to trust you, God, or is this something that I'm just walking through? And that's where that word trauma kind of came in for me because I was able to look at it, okay, what I feel is anxiety in my body, but that's not what's going on in my head. So I was able to kind of grow in that way and learn that there's different ways to experience depression or anxiety. And everyone kind of, well, people who have experienced it might experience it in different ways. Mm -hmm. um, another thing that I learned, and this is something Joey preached about sometime since Christopher was born. I don't remember how long ago it was. But we go through different seasons in our life with our relationship with God. And I guess this kind of goes back into practical tips. But like... Growing in God when things are good might sound like counterintuitive. Like, why do I need to cling to God when things are good? Why do I need to put good things into practice? But it's so important because that's what carried me through this, right. right? So if I didn't get to look back on my life and remember all the other ways in which I've grown in the past, it probably would have been hard for me to hold on to hope during this season mm -hmm. because I would have had no history with God. Sure. So since I had that, I had to draw on that, and it just kind of put me, like, deeper with him, mm. right? And then we grew in our relationship because I had to rely on Chris in a whole new way. I mean, not to be graphic, but, you know, women who have had babies, like, he had to, like, dress me after, you know what I mean? Mm. Like, I had a C-section, and I couldn't move. And for me, like, that was horrible. Like, I'm somebody who I likes to carry myself in a certain way, and to rely on anybody in that way for me was incredibly humbling. And you know, the weeks that followed, like he said, he literally was around the clock doing everything. He was, because I just couldn't function. And honestly, in the years to follow, there have been a lot of days that I couldn't function. Like, I'd get up and go to work and put our son to bed, and that was it. I couldn't make dinner. I couldn't get to the dishes. I couldn't take the dogs for a walk because I couldn't do it. So for us, like, you know, it grew us in that way to rely on each other in a way that was really unique, um, and this past year especially, we've really had to like focus on rebuilding that like 
not that we had no romance, but like that romantic part and yeah. reconnecting with each other. And that's something that we had to fight for, but a lot mm -hmm. of, brought a lot of growth into our marriage and we were able to reflect on this, which has been really helpful. That's awesome. Yeah, so for myself, um, I, like I said before, I'm very, I think all of us are very just selfish people. And I think that kind of what Ann said, like hum being humbled throughout this whole experience. Um, being very selfless, not thinking about myself and what I have to do and what I have to get done, but really uh, focusing my attention on what was most important. Um, and I think just going through the, the whole situation and just seeing what happened and uh, I guess that for me, going through the whole situation and seeing what Ange went through and stuff like that, it was uh, a kind of a wake up call for myself. Um, just to, to know that mental health is, is no joke. I mean, Andrew's been in the field for a long time, so I know about it, but like, it's really odd to see somebody that is in this field struggle with the thing that she's helping other people mm -hmm. with. Sure. Um, you know, you would think that like, you know, it's like a mechanic's car never breaks. That's definitely not the truth, you know? <laughs> <laughs> um, it's the complete opposite, it's never fixed. Yeah, yeah. Um, <laughs> but seeing that, uh, it, the possibility for it to happen to somebody who's very, very strong mm -hmm. is, is tough, you know. Uh, so for myself, just really like seeing that we have to cling to God, that we have to cling uh, to a support system. Uh, going like, like we didn't do this during this time, uh, but we did it afterwards, but like therapy mm. is, is huge. And I encourage everybody every single person um, to, to go to therapy, good, good or bad, online. Like, if you're going through a hard time, reach out to somebody, whether it's somebody in this church, whether it's uh, a pastor, whether it's whoever it is, like your best friend. Um, make sure that you are getting a support system and, and, and asking people, ask somebody, hey, have I changed? Mm -hmm. You know, does anything seem off about, I feel weird, like, have you noticed anything? Um, and just really, and, and bringing all of this to God, like at the end of the day, just laying it at his feet yeah. um, and just knowing that in us, in ourselves, we aren't strong enough to get through it. And, right. and if we think we are, we're just fooling ourselves. Mm. Um, yeah, I mean, I would just really encourage people to, to reach out and to make community with people. Uh, you know, we have community groups, reach out to community group leaders, reach out to somebody in your community group. Yeah. Um, I just, I feel like having that made such a difference in our lives. And I just, I couldn't imagine somebody going through it without it. Mm. Um, yeah. Awesome. All right. What are you guys thankful for? You're seeing God do some great things and walking through that and seeing what he's done. I have a really long list. <laughs> <laughs> um, of course, I'm thankful for Chris. I mean, I feel like until I was kind of prepping for this, I didn't stop to really acknowledge how thankful I am to be in a marriage that's so supportive. Um, I think it's so easy to take that for granted because a lot of times we expect our spouse to step up for us. Um, but I was thinking about it like Chris didn't lose his patience with me, not one time. Like I can't even think of one time that he said, no, I don't want to today. Or no, I shouldn't have to because you haven't made dinner in a week. Or um, you know, I just don't want to today. Like, there wasn't a single time. And let me tell you, that first year, I was not nice to him. <laughs> I mean, when you're not feeling like yourself, it's so hard to get a grip on how you're acting and behaving sometime. And we know you take it out on the person closest to you. So even at my worst, he still was so incredibly gracious. And he never lashed back at me. He never um, questioned why. He never expected me to be something I wasn't able to be at that moment. And for that, I really am like so, so grateful. Um, like Chris said, we had an amazing support system of friends. You know, Patricia came over and like slept at our house to take care of Christopher because I needed to rest and I needed to like kind of get back on track. And people don't do that. Like that's not normal uh, for somebody to just be like, hey, I'm going to do this and not expect it to get paid or expect anything in return, literally to just do it out of the goodness of their heart. So um, things like that I'm really grateful for. You know, you and Kelly just always checking in and supporting me and Kelly just messaging me like something encouraging me or just reminding me of God's truths. It sounds so silly, but like being reminded of God's truths when you are struggling to feel connected to him is so incredibly powerful. 
and I'm so, so thankful for that. Um, I'm grateful for my family because I was definitely off my rocker for a little while <laughs> and um, they weren't mean back, which was always really nice. Um, so I'm grateful for that. And, you know, I had a close group of girlfriends that I know like actually were praying for me. Like that sounds so silly, but when you tell a friend you're going to pray for them and they either sit with you right there in the moment and actually do it, or you know they're doing it, or they randomly text you and say, I'm praying for you today, like that's super powerful. And I had one friend who, I love her, she asked a lot of questions all the time, um, but that made me feel good. It made me feel like somebody was willing to walk through it with me, even if they were just curious. I found that so encouraging because I was like, okay, she cares about me. She wants to know how this is feeling. And even though she might not be able to relate, and maybe she doesn't even care what I say, I don't know. Um, it made me feel validated in knowing that somebody valued me as a person. Yeah. Yeah. And it sounds so silly, but those things like really, really mattered. So it's mm -hmm. awesome. Yeah. Um, as weird as this sounds, uh, I'm thankful for the situation. Mm -hmm. um, I think that it was a chance for us to experience something that we've never experienced before and that we're able to relate to other people. Um, that we are uh, people that somebody else could come to and, and, and share their experience or that we just can relate to it. Um, you know, I've struggled with anxiety a majority of my life and it was really bad at one point, like in high school and college. And, you know, like I said before, if you've never had anxiety, it is, you can't relate. Like, you know, just get over, a lot of people are like, oh, just stop thinking about it, get over it. And it's not like that. Right. You know, I, I was sitting in, in classrooms and literally just taking a test and then all of a sudden I got nervous. That for no, I'm taking a test, you know, like, there's no reason for me to be nervous, I mean, maybe there's a reason to be nervous, but um, on a different level, like, I, to the point where I had to get up, go sit in the bathroom for 10 minutes and try and, you know, calm down, like, wow. a lot of people can't relate to something like sure. that, so yeah. for us to go through a situation like this, especially for myself, like, I don't think that if I hadn't gone through this, I wouldn't be able to see, honestly, God move in, in our lives, wow. um, you know, like just so many different things. So like, I'm thankful to God that he puts us through hard situations to help us grow. Mm -hmm. um, it, it makes us who we are. It makes us able to, to, to help others. Um, so this, the, honestly, the situation that we went through, I'm very, very thankful for it. Wow. Awesome. All right. I'm going to close with this question. Are there any, any practical tips that you guys would share? I have a long list. Uh, I won't necessarily read them. She has a long list of everything. <laughs> of everything. I was really well prepared, guys. I wasn't. Um, the, the first thing is just be honest and open with yourself. I mean, I went through this period, oh, it's been almost four years, and thankfully I'm really feeling so much better, and, you know, God has really brought a lot of healing to me the last six months. Um, but with the encouragement of my best friend, like, I actually had to be real with myself and say, okay, I've been trying to ignore this, but it's taking a toll on my marriage, it's taking a toll on my work life, my parenting, my friendships. I had to sit and face something I didn't want to admit to myself. And that was hard. Um, but that honesty is, you know, I mean, it still was a long process for me to get healing, but the people around me were able to understand a little bit better what was going on and give me more grace. Um, and it was something I was able to bring to God on like a daily basis, like, hey, like, I don't know what's going on, but this is how I'm feeling. And if I chose to ignore it, um, I don't know how much growth would have come from it. Um, another thing, especially if you're married, is to confide in your spouse. I mean, I had to come to Chris. I remember there was a time where it felt like every single day I was like, I'm really sorry for how I've been treating you. I'm not feeling like myself. Please continue to be gracious with me. Mm. And that's incredibly humbling, but I think it's a practical tip because, yeah. um, you know, we're one, and but we're not. Like, we are, because God says we are, but we're still two separate individuals, and he wouldn't have known because, you know, if you don't share with them, how are they going to know what's going on? Yeah. Um, and he was able to sit with me and pray with me, um, so that was helpful, and we were able to d dive into God's word together, which was helpful. Um, to be gracious with yourself, I remember feeling, like, guilty, which sounds so silly, that I didn't have the energy to open up my Bible every single day. And that's not to say, oh, I had a perfect Christian life where I was reading my Bible every day and whatever, but I had, like, a pretty set routine before getting pregnant. And um, 
at some point I had to let go of that guilt and just be gracious with myself and be like, God still loves me anyway, and he's going to bring growth, and I know his truths, and people are encouraging me in his truths. So in that, my Bible time changed drastically, but another really practical tip is to write scripture by hand somewhere and put it in your house. And um, I don't remember why, but somebody gave me a, this was before any of this started, but somebody gave me a plaque or painting, like decoration for the house, that said, be still and know that I am God. And we hung it in our room, I think, right before we had Christopher. And it's, that's a passage every Christian knows, right? Yeah. It's a very few words. We all have it memorized. It's great. Fine. I kid you not, I cling to that verse in the hours of the night that I couldn't sleep because it's all I could do wow. was to remember that God is God. I could be still. I didn't have to meet any expectations. He was God. And wow. like I wrote that scripture everywhere. It was on my phone. Um, the notebook I used for work, I had one and it had, I found it in Home Goods. It had that on it. Somebody at work thought that it, th like, that I thought I was God and was like, why would you have that? I was, that makes me, <laughs> no sense. Um, like, such a silly thing. Like, I'm not God. God is God. Um, but it's something I literally, literally clung to and recited over and over and over again. Um, and then the Psalm 139 that Kelly encouraged me with, I read it. Literally, there was a time where I opened my Bible when I did to the same verse. I think mm -hmm. also like Psalm 37 or something. And yeah. I read it for months yeah. on end because it was the only thing I could. That's right. Yeah. And to give myself that grace to know that that was okay. Um, and then silly. But at some point during COVID when we were all remote, you guys sent out like Bible scriptures mm -hmm. um, on like little index cards. And they were scriptures I was familiar with. And I was like, you know what? I'm just going to tape these up in my bathroom on the mirror. And before we sold our house, we actually used to do stuff like that a lot. But I just hadn't redone it when we moved into our apartment. And I was realizing just this past week while I was, like, praying through this, like, I read those Bible verses a lot. Mm -hmm. And it's all about God giving us strength and courage. I don't know if you sent everyone the same ones or if ever, there was, like, a pool that some of us got different ones. But it really spoke to me in the season we were in. So um, just hanging on to God's word and simplifying it and giving yourself grace, I think, is really helpful. And I know I mentioned it before, but in the moments of life where it's easier to have a routine or you're walking through a season of highs, cling to God in those moments too, because that's what I drew on. Yeah. And um, knowing that this would be something I intentionally wanted to share was like a practical tip. I don't think our testimony should ever go unheard yeah. because it really is to just bring God glory. So through this whole thing, you know, and just confiding in Chris and confiding in other people. And eventually we ended up in, you know, I tried seeking out counseling pretty much right away, but it wasn't helpful. And then I had to find a different person. So really fighting for that and um, having medical doctors intervene when necessary, that was hard for me. It was very humbling for me, but I got to a point where I was like, yeah, I need to see a doctor. Yeah. And um, that's a practical tip. I mean, it sounds so silly and it's definitely part of growing, but um, sometimes we don't have it within ourselves. So to use your tools and your resources to the best of your ab ability yeah. is practical. Awesome. Yeah. All right, Chris. Um, so a practical tip would be to reach out um, to, wh to whomever. Like, don't be too prideful. Like, don't – a lot of us kind of tend to think, like, I can do this. I got this. I don't, I don't need the help. And th that is me, like, 100%. Mm -hmm. I'm, always, I'm always like that. Um, but just really reaching out make such a big difference and just again not being uh, prideful in yourself because you know you're, you're not going to be able to do it by yourself you know and if you think and you might get through it but the repercussions on the other side are going to be you know much worse I, I believe um, if you're not if you're not dealing with it you have to deal with it you know like if yeah um, <laughs> that, would, that would be my practical tip yeah awesome. and I think I mean we talked yesterday about you wanting to share about like men slash husbands understanding postpartum depression and educating themselves about it? Yeah, uh, yes, absolutely. Um, so I kind of touched on this earlier, but um, doing, doing the research and being educated in things, I, I, I did not do that. I knew about it, I knew the words, I, but I didn't know what it was. Um, so I encouraged every guy to go out and read about it and to learn about it, ask somebody, ask us. Um, 
because again, if you don't know something, you're not gonna be able to know how to handle it. You're not gonna know how to see the signs for it. Um, so being, being educated or just knowing a couple things about it, I think even just today being up here is, is very helpful for a lot of guys. Mm -hmm. um, yep. And even girls, like it's, it, I'm saying guys because that's <laughs> what I am, but, um, <laughs> but for, for women, like if, uh, like if you don't know about this or you didn't know what could happen, like it's very helpful to have, to have knowledge, to know what, what you could experience. Good, good, awesome. We thank these guys. This was so helpful and what a blessing, so encouraging. So thank you guys for, Thanks for having, us. having the boldness and um, the courage and just sharing what God's done. It's huge, it's huge. So thank, thank you guys you. so much. Let me close this out in prayer today, God. We're so thankful to you, Jesus, for your faithfulness and thank you that you carry us through these times and you use these times, God. Thank you that nothing is lost, nothing's wasted, God. Nothing is just there for you to get some kind of strange pleasure. Lord, it's the opposite, Lord. It's for you to enter into our suffering with us and bring great growth and great, great purpose. And I think that this couple was able to say today that they were even thankful that they went through it because they've seen you use it so powerfully. We just bless them today. We thank you for them today. And I just pray for everybody in the room today, God, and everybody listening online, that... God, we all have the opportunity now to bring to you our struggles. And maybe some could relate to this, maybe some couldn't, but we all have struggles. We've all been through trauma. We all have stuff to lay at your feet and to maybe talk with somebody else about and get the strength and support we need. But we thank you, God, that at the end of the day, you are the answer. If you're a follower of Jesus, would you bring him what you've walked through? Would you bring it to him and would you literally even just visualize for a second you just laying it at his feet? God, here's that traumatic situation. Here is the loss of the loved one. Here is the broken heart that I've experienced. Here is the sickness I've been through. Here is the financial ruin we experienced and all the repercussions because of it. God, here is the abuse that I endured. Here is the addiction that I did or still wrestle with. And just lay it at his feet today and ask him for help. If you're not a follower of Jesus, you heard today a lot about what God does in our lives. And you heard about Jesus dying for us and rising from the dead. And that is everything. He wants a relationship with you. If you'd like to put your trust in him today, I'd love for you to pray with me now. You could just say something like this. Jesus, would you save me today? I'm putting my trust in you. I'm asking you to forgive me for all my sin. And I thank you for this gift of life that you alone offer. In your name I pray. Amen.